Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai weissel Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Chris Delano. And we would like to welcome you to a very special episode uh, where we try to fit the flavor gems of Adventures in the Forgotten Realms into one episode that isn't horrendously long for me to edit. And uh, I I wish us luck, honestly. Uh, I, I hope we do it. Uh, just a uh, slight bias in, in my luck wishing there. But uh, yeah, uh, we, we are doing Flavor Gems of uh, the newest Magic of the Gathering set, uh, which is also the newest Dungeons & Dragons set uh, for our first official big set crossover. And it's very exciting and people seem to like the set a lot. And yeah, gosh, it's... Hmm. A lot. There, there are 281 cards in the set, not counting the commander set. And I think uh, we could probably talk about 281 flavor gems if we really wanted to. Yeah, right. So like the thing about being a D&D set is that literally every card is a reference to something in D&D. You know, we because D&D has so much lore, like even just the one off cards, you know, we have a frog hemoth. That's a reference, even though it's just like a one off card. We have a roper. Which is a, a thing we wouldn't normally, like, just a rando type of monster card we normally wouldn't talk about in a Magic Flavor Gems episode. But because this is D&D, it's like, hey, every the entire point of this thing is that you look at a card and say, hey, it's the thing. And we're gonna do our best here. <laughs> the easiest way to do it is how we traditionally split up Flavor Gems, which is uh, starting with the legendary cards, which, by the way, is over half of the agenda. Because there are, like, a million legendary cards in this set. Everything is legendary. This is like Dominaria 2.0. Uh-huh. So many new commanders, guys! It is It is a lot of new commanders, which is very exciting. Considered some, but I don't think anyone here is going to be uh, gonna be a commander. I, I do need an Azorius commander, and uh, what's-her-face, uh, Hama, is uh, very tempting. Hama Pashar. Anyway... Uh, we have a couple quick news items. Uh, so, Chris, you want to take us through those? Yeah, the uh, Secret Layer Super Drop is still going on, which is cool because I forgot about it. And so I'm going to have to buy some of them this weekend. <laughs> um, I really did need that reminder. Yeah, uh, it is going on until this Friday as of the time you are listening. So uh, if you are listening to the podcast on Monday on the day it's released, you have until Friday. If you are listening as part of our live listen tier of our Patreon, which you'll learn more about later... Uh, you got a week, so good job. Uh, we also have a new D&D book was announced on Friday. We're recording this on Thursday, so we don't know anything about it. But yeah, it's really exciting. It's cool that we got this new D&D book. I'm really cool and excited about it. Good job, James. <laughs> yeah, if you listened to last week's episode, our interview with James Wyatt, uh, he mentioned that uh, pay attention uh, to, to the upcoming Friday because there's going to be an announcement and that announcement has happened. So whatever it is, I'm sure it's great. But a lot, a lot of D&D stuff uh, got announced this past weekend. So uh, go chase down those announcements because we don't actually know what they are yet. But uh, without any further delay, let's talk about Flavor Gems Dungeons and Dragons Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And like we do with Flavor Gems episodes, we're going to start with Planeswalkers. And here's the good thing I, I will say uh, about the Legends is there are a lot of characters we're just not really going to talk about much uh, because we did an episode a couple weeks ago called Characters of the Forgotten Realms. And uh, there's also a kind of a, a world-building uh, episode we did as well about the Forgotten Realms. And you can find a lot of our preloaded you know, what we hoped was in the set or or important things that existed in this section of D&D lore. Uh, those episodes are going to have a lot more detailed information on a lot of these characters. So uh, whenever we get to a character who is, uh, you know, th that was talked about in one of those episodes, we'll just let y'all know. And, uh, you know, also just go listen to those episodes and you'll get the information you need. And we can start with uh, the Grandmaster of Flowers, the White Planeswalker in this set, who represents Bahamut wandering around the realms in his human form, as he tends to do. Bahamut is one of these characters that was talked about before. Uh, he's a platinum dragon. He's a god, the god of metallic dragons. He's a, he's a good dude who opposes the evil dragon goddess Tiamat. 
I guess I guess we can briefly mention a bit about the Grandmaster of Flowers. Uh, it's a thing we talked about with James last week, but this is a new thing that is being added to the character. Um, he's not held this title before. He is he's the head monk of a monastic order and is like teaches uh, teaches students and wanders around. And he's got a fishing pole and he's a chill dude and he's like young and hip now. Uh, and that good for him. Good for him. They kind of have to distinguish him from uh, famously in the Dragonlance universe, which I'm sure this won't be relevant for anything. Um, there is a their god of platinum or god of metallic dragons, uh, Paladine, goes around as an old bumbling fool named Fizban, one of my favorite characters from Dragonlance, who I named a cat after. So that's cool. That's a good. Ca- that's a good cat name. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, there. I thought about it and I was like, wow, it makes sense to make Bahamut become like a younger human monk rather than having him go around appearing as an old, you know, wizard man, because that's, you know, Fizban's thing. So we've also got Mordekainen. He's the blue planeswalker. And we talked about him already. So he's a jerk. Oh, he was fun to write <laughs> yeah. for Arena. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, he's just one of the oldest characters in D&D lore who's an extraordinarily powerful wizard who gets reincarnated, quote-unquote, but without his memories, and then as soon as the reincarnated version of himself learns one of the spells he's created, all his memories come back. It's pretty cool. But yeah, he's just an asshole. Uh, cool thing about him is that he uh, has his fam- his famous Mordekainen's Faithful Hound. Yeah. I think it's, it's or uh-huh. Mordekainen's Loyal Hound. Anyways, it's a spell that he created, and uh, it's in his art, and it's in his card, and it's cool. He makes a little illusion dog. And he has an arena line where he refers to it as his Faithful Hound. We also have Loth, which um, we talked about Loth a lot. I don't think we need to talk too much about Loth anymore. <laughs> Loth is a wife. Loth is gender. Loth did nothing wrong. Wow. What? Wow. What? Nothing. Nothing. Never. Nothing wrong? Never. Uh-uh. She's a good person. No, she's not. She's the opposite <laughs> She's not of a that. person. <laughs> she's not good or a person. She's a bad not person. She's, she's, she's a she's person. She's like a demon spider goddess. Yeah. And she's no. sapient and such. She has personhood. She's a person. She's just... God, she is the worst. Ah, manipulative, murderous... <laughs> schemes in 5,000 different directions. He's great. Love her. Love villains. Yeah, but she kind of hot, though. Like I said, Loth is, Loth is gender. Not on the magic cards, but yes. I don't know. Her extended art. Anyways, let's just move on. We got Zariel, Archduke of Avernus. Uh, speaking of hot ladies, uh, she's, like, physically hot, like, wreathed in fire. Uh-huh. Zariel, we didn't really talk about before. I really was surprised when she got a card. She is... Uh, one of the like leaders of the devil armies in Avernus. Uh huh. Major player in the Descent into Avernus uh, campaign book that they released. She is the sole focus of the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. She. Uh. She is a fallen angel. Uh. She was. Uh. I believe a solar who was watching the war between the devils and the demons and uh was like, hey, you know what? We angels don't need to sit here and watch. We can just end this war by getting involved. And the other angels were like, no, that's not what we do. We're good people. And she's like, well, screw that. I'm taking my army and knocking some skulls around. Uh, And so she did. And thus began her path towards uh, corruption and a fall from grace. And uh, she's now an archdevil. Uh, She's wonderful. She's murdery. I, I like villainous women. I love writing villainous women. Love to see her in this set. Uh, and I guess I guess I'll take the helm for Eliwick Tumblestrom, uh, because she's a yeah, new who, character. Who is this person? Uh, is yeah, we didn't, <laughs> y'all didn't talk about her because she's new. Uh, she is a gnome bard. Uh, she pulled the wish card from the deck of many things and uh, b- very swiftly became one of the greatest bards in the realms. Uh, she travels all around. Uh, across many worlds, uh, playing music. She is uh, very positive and outgoing. She loves making new friends. She loves adventures. Uh, she travels with her pal Groke, who is this uh, sentient white frog who sits on her shoulder and is generally untrustworthy of other people, um, besides Eliwick. She's just a fantastic person. Um, she's involved with uh, some of the D&D lore stuff that's being put out currently uh, in tandem with the set. So if you want to learn more about her, go check out some of that stuff. Um, she is, gosh, just really delightful. 
you know, she she's she's the person who will be facing down and uh, you know a fortified citadel in the rain with like a zombie horde following behind the party, and she'll be like, "Yeah, adventuring's great." Sometimes you just need that kind of bombastic positivity uh, when when the world is collapsing around you, and uh, I appreciate her for that. Yeah, well, those are our five planeswalkers, and now we have a list of about. Uh, literally, like, 30-something, I didn't count them, probably closer to 40-something legendary creatures in between, uh, this set and the Commander set. Yep! There's a lot, there's so many. Yep, uh, alright, uh, Icing Death, Frost Tyrant, White Dragon, got killed. Grizzit killed, killed him with Wolfgar, and Grizzit got his... one of his famous rapiers from, uh, Icing Death Horde, that's it. Yep, that's yep, that's it. We talked about him. Uh, Oswald Fiddlebender is a character from the Neverwinter games, I think. Uh, or no, Icewind Dale games. He's a character from the games. Yeah, uh, I, the Icewind Dale games. Uh, he, he, he has an airship that constantly crashes. And, uh, I believe he makes potions. I, Grazalax, Illithid Scholar. Grazalax is really cool. He's actually an NPC that you encounter in the Out of the Abyss campaign, I believe. Uh, and he's like not evil, but he's a he's a mind flayer, but he's not evil, which is weird because mind flayers are just like naturally pretty evil just by the nature of what they do and who they are and where they come from. Uh, but Grazlax is actually kind of neutral and not a bad guy. Uh, kind of nice. I mean, not a bad guy, you say, as if he isn't literally eating someone's thoughts in his card art. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but he's not bad. Not for evil purposes, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's he's like a he's like a scholar. He wants to n- learn things. He's his alignment is technically true neutral as opposed to most Ilthis being neutral evil. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I was very disappointed. So I have I have a Rona um, disciple of Gix commander deck that uh, everything in the deck is villains, and I was very disappointed because Grazalox would be a great card in that deck mechanically, um, but like he's just not evil enough <laughs> to be in the villains deck, which I was amused at. Uh, Imrith Desert Doom is a blue dragon and was talked about before, so I, I got in some trouble by spoiling uh, the end <laughs> of the campaign. Um, but she shows up in one of the campaigns that they have published. Uh, I won't spoil it again, but she's one of my favorite villains. Love her. She can go. She can go in your Rona deck because she's a blue villain. There you go. Potentially, yes. <laughs> but speaking of villains, the biggest one ever, a Sararak the Arklich, favorite top like five villains of all time in D anD. d Love a Sararak. He is uh, a lich, and he's trying to. Th- revive the atropal or, or i don't want to give too much away again i don't want to spoil his campaign um but aserak is a big evil lich and uh very powerful and he's got a really cool card lets you venture into the dungeon so you can complete his tomb of annihilation real fast uh then we have asmodeus the archfiend who is the devil god in avernus uh bad dude makes makes all kinds of packs and deals and and like this is D anD D. He's basically Satan. Yeah, yeah. He like he's he's just fantasy Satan, and was talked about before. So uh, we can go on to Ebon Death Draco Lich. I know almost nothing about Ebon Death except he was mentioned in a magazine at some point ages ago. Not a lot about him that I found, but he is an established character, not new, just not really um well talked about. I guess he's a dragon who is a lich. A bunch of cultists of uh, Merkel uh, brought him back as a as a lich uh, after his body disintegrated and whatnot. But it's, there's not a whole lot of lore behind it, um, or that I'm aware of anyway. Our next card is Delina, Wild Mage. I don't know anything about her, actually. She is like the central character of returning topic of the show occasionally. IDW Comics has a, like... Baldur's Gate comic book series. Yeah, and she is like a main character in that. Uh, she she hangs out with Crydol, and uh, I believe Minsk is in those books as well. I think so. Um, yeah, she's an elf. She's she's an elf sorcerer who hangs out with that that crew in those comics. Um, which is kind of the only important thing about her. Uh, that we're gonna talk about. Oh, who wants to say this dragon name? <laughs> Imavir Nahara. 
We're going to call him Inferno of the Star Mounts, which is one of the <laughs> legendary dragons in the cycle of legendary dragons, which we've already talked about most of them. Um, so there's uh, Icing Death, I Am Rith, Ebon Death, uh, and then this, Inferno of the Star Mounts, Invernarho, uh, who is another legendary dragon who doesn't have a lot of lore behind him or her. I actually don't know the pronouns for the Inferno of the Star Mounts because I don't know anything about the character. Yeah, it's like looking at the Forgotten Realms wiki, it's a male or he's a male, but I'm surprised they went with this one as a as a as opposed to Hephaestus from the Dritz novels, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Well, they put a really cool legendary red dragon in the commander set, but we'll talk about that later. Uh cuz speaking of giant red fire things we've got zalto fire giant duke zalto actually shows up in uh storm king's thunder and is like a an npc who you can end up sort of interacting with he's a fire giant he's one of the leaders of the fire giants and storm king's thunder all of the giants like the ordning breaks because the king of the giants goes missing uh, and so all of the giants are like we have to establish a new law amongst the giants an agreement and they're all trying to, like, jockey for their own positions. Zalto really wants to, like, cr- like raise back this ancient Colossus golem thing uh, to fight the dragons because the giants hate the dragons. And, uh, yeah, that's his sort of plot line. But he's, like, a he's a character. He's real. I met him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Our next card is Old Gnawbone, also known as... Oh my god, Cloggy. Why did I do this to myself? <laughs> you chose this. You specifically started reading it. Yeah, so like most of the most of the big important dragons in D&D have these like unpronounceable draconic names and then like a really common name that, you know, they're referred to in English. Uh and this this is, you know, Brian, just don't bother. Cloggy <laughs> my uh never mind, whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> Old Nawbone is a ancient green dragon who is an awesome, awesome trickster. Her story in the lore is that she was she was hired as king, hiring people to come kill her. So she posed as a uh, as a dragon hunter and, and hired and, and took up a job for this this leader and went and cast illusions of her fighting herself. They had, and they had set up for payment to be delivered at a certain point. So what she did is she set up this illusion of her fighting herself and then went and killed all of the people who were protecting the treasure that she was promised to be uh, given after she killed herself, basically. So after she stole the treasure, she went to the king and after the king couldn't pay, she demanded to be paid again. <laughs> so... After all of this, she has taken up uh, a human form who and is trying to, I believe, working within Waterdeep to like gain um, status so that dragons could be allowed in, or not in Waterdeep, but in cities around it. So it, it's the 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 lore behind her is a hoot. You should look it up. It, it's it's hilarious. She is known as Old Gnawbone because she is often seen, as you can see in her card art, with uh, a corpse just kind of hanging out of her mouth, like a little, little snack stuck in her teeth. I, I will say that we did not predict, like, any of these dragons, with the exception of, like, Icing Death and Amrith. But you know who did? Teferi MTG on Twitter, the Teferi cosplayer, who was absolutely excellent, had, like, threads where he predicted some of these dragons. And not only predicted them, but predicted them with their draconic names. So oh, just yeah. a little shout out. Um, that's some some old school knowledge right there, uh, fitting for a time mage. <laughs> uh, there's the there's the Tarask, which uh, was talked about before, which is just like this big ancient dinosaur monster that's gonna destroy the world. Oh no! Yeah, his card isn't that scary. The, the or her card that the Tarask is just not that scary. The Tarask has also mechanically gotten less scary over the years. <laughs> yeah, fifth edition is toned down from some of the other editions, but it's yeah. Fun. I mean, like we killed a bunch of them in a level twenty campaign I played in. They're not that scary, um, but no, it's cool. We predicted it. We were right. There is a Tarask card. Yeah. We also have Barrowin of Clan Under, who was a character from Idle Champions, and that is all of her background. Yeah, she's cool. 
So I don't think we need to tell people uh, who Brunor, Battlehammer, and Dristordan are. Because by now you've listened to the previous episode where I'm sure uh, I wasn't in that one, but I'm sure Brian got very excited talking about Drizzt. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, then I have Farida, Devil's Chosen. Uh, she's a tiefling warlock. God, I forget how she, was she tricked or how'd she get into the pact? I know she didn't. It wasn't voluntary. I honestly have no idea. I have not read those books, but I kind of want to now because she sounds really cool. Yeah, the everything I've heard about those books has been good, but yeah, I, she she was not volunt like she's a warlock with a, and her pact wasn't voluntary, and uh, but she's like made the best of the situation to help her and her sibling uh, sister. I think she accepts that like this is a the pact is a thing that is not great for her, but is something that can be used to her advantage. Which is good and resourceful, and that's always fun to see. And also, tieflings are great. She also has another card in the set called Farida's Fireball, because they already have a Fireball card, so they couldn't... Yeah. I mean, they could have just reprinted Fireball in the set, but they I... didn't. <laughs> so they they created a... Yeah. That card is really good in Limited, and also just really complicated to resolve. Uh, it is mathy in a really unfun way, I think. So they instead printed a card that requires you to actually roll dice. Yeah. Um, I, I, I I like the card that is printed as a representation of Fireball better. Yeah, I like it. Um, the next character I really want to talk about a little bit because it's Gretchen Titchwillow. So we're, first, we're going through all these characters who are from pre-AFR. Ex- like, they have existed before the magic set. And you may be thinking, who the heck is Gretchen Titchwillow? I've never experienced her. Uh, I didn't think she was, a, I thought she was a new character too, until I realized uh, she is a character in the Betrayal at Baldur's Gate tabletop game. If you have ever played the Betrayal game, so there's Betrayal at the House on the Hill, uh, which was like the original one, and then the spinoff, Betrayal at Baldur's Gate, you like select little character cards, and they all come with names, right? And you never pay attention to the names, you just pick a character for their stats, or their abilities, And she's one of the characters from that tabletop game. And I think that's great because I've played it a bunch and it's a very fun game. And I really did not expect her to have a card. So that's cool. That's a a deep cut there. Good old people at Wizards of the Coast. I like that. Yep. I did not even know that until Chris told me. And I've played that game a couple times. I'm more familiar with the original Betrayal game. But Oh, they're real fun. But yeah, we we've got Gretchen Titchwillow as a Gretchen Titchwillow as a card. That name is so fun to say. Um, I'm gonna have to like get a copy of it and cut out the art and put it over the art on the, the <laughs> game piece because it's so much better. We've got a bunch of other characters though. We've got a uh, Kalane, reclusive painter. She is uh, a former lover of the the Lord Neverember. The I think he's still the Lord of Waterdeep. He might be former. It's it's former because they kicked him out, and he, that oh, he yeah. he's gone to Neverwinter to try to build it back up. Okay, yeah. So he's the former open lord of Waterdeep, uh, and she was like a, old, a previous lover of his. Um, and she has magical abilities to where she can paint things and make them come real. And you run into her if you pick a certain faction in... If you pick a certain season in um, the uh, Dragon Heist campaign. Yeah. She sounds like a really cool character. I haven't played that campaign, but I like the idea of a painter who can just, like, paint a terrible monster and make it real. So, you know, be careful. Then uh, we have Cridal of Baldur's Gate, who we kind of talked about a second ago when talking about Delina. He's a character in the comic books. Don't know anything about him because I haven't read him. He's a rogue. Uh, I believe he was aristocratic by birth. So Baldur's Gate has, like, two basic levels of city. There's the upper city where all the rich people live and the lower city where all the poor people live. But he's a rogue. He's a thief. Uh, He's also a poet. Uh, He kind of exists in the uh, shadowy seams between the rich and the poor. Uh, Then we have Minsk, beloved ranger, and uh, naturally Boo, the uh, miniature giant space hamster, uh, who were talked about before. Uh, Minsk and Boo are phenomenally popular characters from D&D, uh, major uh, companion characters in the Baldur's Gate series of games, appeared in, uh, I believe, in that comic series that we just mentioned. Good to be here. 
most requested character. <laughs> yeah. This was like the character most people were like, ooh, we need a Minsk and Boo card. Yep. And I was always like, I don't know who those people are. And then I looked it up and was like, oh, yes, we need a Minsk and Boo yep. card. Uh, Minsk and Boo are fantastic. <laughs> Minsk is dumb as hell, but really kind. He He's 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 good, good himbo energy. Uh, anyway, that's too much on a character we've talked about already. There's Because there's Orcus, Prince of Undeath, who is just one of the biggest villains in D&D history. He's a demon lord, and I'm surprised they went with him instead of Demogorgon, but I'm expecting that we're going to get a Demogorgon card with the Stranger Things thing, but I, it's just surprising to me that they chose this prince to be in the main set and not Demogorgon. And we have Targnar, the demon fang gnoll. Who's a gnoll? They're hyena people. They're great. I don't know what this character is from. <laughs> uh, He is from a, he's from a campaign book. He's, he's from Avernus. I think. Yeah, he's from Descent into Avernus. He is. He is, yeah, he's just a character that can show up in Descent into Avernus, as far as yeah, I'm aware. He's sure. not great. He's not got a lot to him. Um, that's a lot of these characters are just really good names and art that uh-huh. they put on some legendary cards, yep. and I appreciate it. Uh Tiamat's like nobody, so we don't need to talk about her. Um yeah, just like that. <laughs> Tiamat is the five-headed god of the chromatic dragon. She's horrendously evil. That's all you need to know. Yeah, Trellisar, a moon dancer who's a drow, but not in the Underdark. Yeah, she's an established character who uh, has, like, no lore. Yep. <laughs> That's another one of those. Um, she's really cool, and I'm sure, like, she will show up in people's campaigns, and people will add lore to her. Uh, but there's not a lot out there to talk about Trellisara. But she is, uh, she's cool. And there's two two other legendary creatures who are from before this set in the main set. And those are Volo and Xanathar. And we talked about them a lot. Volo's great. Volo is great. Also really good card. You got a really flavorful card. New characters. New legendary car- characters. Uh, in addition to Tumblestrom, the rest of her adventuring party is in this set. We have Nadar, Selfless Paladin, who's a dragonborn. Uh, Varus, Silvery Moon Ranger, who's a half-elf. Uh, and uh, Hama Pashar, Ruin Seeker, who's a human wizard. They exist in the set. They were created whole cloth to be an adventuring party that we follow through um, a set of cards we're going to talk about in a bit. They kind of represent, hey, what does a party, what, you know, what, what might a D&D party look like? Uh, and a ranger, wizard, paladin, bard that are various uh, species uh, is, is that visual example that uh, through line is set. And then we also have Shesra, Death's Whisper. Um, who's a warlock character just made up. I believe I believe all four of these characters are named with names from the player's handbook lists of suggested names for their species. <laughs> I think that's where the names came from. Uh someone someone can double check on that, but I know I know we looked through uh when we're on the set, we looked through all the suggested names to see uh Making sure none of them were like already established characters, and you know what names were left and what fit, and all, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, enjoy those new characters who don't have lore. Maybe like put make them an NPC in your D and D campaign or whatever. Whew. And that's that's all the creatures. Now we have legendary non creatures, kinda. Um, so we got the books, which I was not expecting: the Book of Exalted Deeds and the Book of Vile Darkness, which are actual two books from D's past like that have been published uh yeah so w- one of the jokes is that uh book of exalted deeds uh, is a real published book that james wyatt is one of the authors of uh and <laughs> so congrats james on getting your book published again <laughs> it's also cool because the art uh for the card shows the book like yes. the cover of the book of exalted deeds yeah the card art is just the design of the actual real book that was printed you can like Go buy a copy. Well, probably not anymore. But, like, you can obtain a copy of the Book of Exalted Deeds IRL in our world. And it is literally the same book in this card. And I think that's freaking great. Awesome Awesome. detail. Love that. That was one of my favorite things about this set. Our next legendary thing is the instrument. Or Wait, sorry. The Black Staff of Waterdeep. And this we kind of glanced over when we were talking about characters on the on the last episode that we were talking about it, um, when we mentioned um, the Black Staff of Waterdeep as a title, um, that that title is currently held by oh gosh, what's her name? Vajra. Um, and it was held previously by Kelvin Blackstaff, and there are several other Blackstaffs. Basically, what happens is is that um, the staff 
uh, holds the spirits of all the previous black staffs of Waterdeep. Um, and they are able to impart wisdom on the current holder of the black staff. It's also able to animate the giant stone statues of the city of Waterdeep in their defense if they're ever needed. Hey, or like turn something into a 4-4 like the card does. Haha, top-down design. <laughs> yep, it's great. Yeah. Um, we also have Instrument of the Bards, which is... I don't think there's a a card in... Like are they uh, an item in like D&D's no there totally are there there are a number of them yeah that's the thing like this kind of represents like a, a whole slew of items it doesn't it's not just one individual thing yeah you've got the Anstrom harp you've got the Canis mandolin you've got the Cly lyre you've got the Doth lute you've got um, the folk Lucan bandor um, oh my god some of these get really weird neck <laughs> for it's a Sidern and the Olam Harp. Um, and they all have they have varying levels of rarity in uh, D&D. And depending on which one you have, it has different spells that you can cast per day. And it helps bards do cool things. Yeah. We've talked a little bit last week about the Deck of Many Things with James, because James loves it. Uh, the Deck of Many Things is basically a fantasy tarot deck. And nothing bad ever happens if you pull a card from it. So that uh, is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite thing about the deck of many things, I think I mentioned this last week, is that the first time you encounter it, you want to pull as many cards as you can out of it. The next time you encounter it, you don't want anyone to take a single card. Uh, yeah, tr- <laughs> tremendous boons for extraordinary costs, uh, terrible deals. Who knows what's going to happen? It. I love its existence as a thing where like. If you pull a card, you don't know exactly if something amazingly good is going to happen or amazingly bad is going to happen or a little bit of both or a lot of both. But whatever happens is going to radically change the person who draws it uh, or the world around them or the situation. Like, it is always impactful. It's basically what I've heard people say is that a DM will generally bring this out if they want to end the campaign or they want to spice it up to catastrophic levels. <laughs> Excellent. I have many times, uh, the first time we ever encountered it, we all like pulled cards. The second time we encountered it, we got into fights with each other in the party to stop people from pulling cards. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fun item to add to your campaign. I'll say that. We kind of talked about these, but didn't really talk about these specifically. We, we talked about Vecna a lot. And the Book of Vile Darkness, the Eye of Vecna, and the Hand of Vecna are all cards in the set that all come together to form Vecna, who is a god. And that is just, it's so good. It's a perfect, perfect, like, implementation of the story of Vecna. But we talked about Vecna a lot. We didn't talk about the Book of Vile Darkness, which is another actual source book that you can buy. Uh, it also, in the lore, is like this evil book full of, like, demonic knowledge and, like evil spells and things like that um so it's like the counterpoint to the book of exalted deeds but yeah it's i'm really happy with vecna in this set i'm definitely building a vecna commander deck love how it all goes together yeah all right gonna quick go through the legends from uh the commander decks i believe all four of the face cards are new characters yep yeah so we have a uh, galia kindler of hope who's an elf paladin prosper tomebound who's a tiefling warlock uh, Sephiris of the Hidden Ways, who's a human wizard, and uh, Vrondis, Rage of Ancients, who is a dragonborn barbarian. They're new characters. There's there's one new character, actually. <laughs> there's a there's a bunch of legendary creatures, but only one of them is a brand new character, and that's Min, Wily Illusionist. Unless anyone else knows where Min came from. Uh, as far as I can tell, brand new. So we have a Lorcan Warlock Collector, who is a uh, devil, uh, Vernus, who is the patron of Farida, the tiefling we talked about uh, a bit earlier. He collects warlocks. That's what you do when you hand out pack. Warlocks and patrons is a is a pyramid scheme. So uh, <laughs> if you're a patron and you have a lot of warlocks, you get a lot of power and influence over the world. Yeah, that's definitely not why we're always trying to collect new patrons. Uh-huh. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> he's listed that. as one of the suggestions as a warlock patron in the D- or play- PHB player's handbook um, if you need a warlock patron uh, we've also got uh, Caddy Bree and Wolfgar Brian it's Whee! your time we already talked about them but they got commander cards yeah so I'm super happy 
<laughs> Brian, it was when the, when the main set was previewed, but the commander decks weren't. You were like, "How could they miss Caddy Bree?" And I'm like, "Brian, you just gotta wait a couple more days. Come on!" <laughs> and yet they still failed me. Where's Regis? Regis gets no respect. He's not in the 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 Dark Alliance game. He's not in the Magic sets. I'm so disappointed. But it's okay. I guess I'll have to wait for the next D and D set. Yeah. Um, again, the, those are those are Dritz pals. Well, I, I guess they are part of the companions of the hall. Call it call it Caddy Bree. Uh, just his pal is uh, underselling her a little bit. Uh, his wife, yeah. um, yep. <laughs> baby mama. Same same difference, right? Uh, so we talked about them before. There's um, Karazakar, the Eye Tyrant, uh, who's a beholder who's um, a little off his rocker, really paranoid and uh, kind of unstable. He has a, there's a spell that is flavored uh, for him too. Yep, he's from the Out of the Abyss campaign as well. Like with a lot of these kind of, every character in Out of the Abyss is a little off. It is, it is a very, uh, one of the mechanics of that campaign is its sanity. You, you track your sanity. So just a thing to mention. <laughs> yep. And then we have another, uh, Clouth is a red dragon, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Clouth Unrivaled Ancient, who's a very old red dragon. Clouth is one of the coolest dragons. He is a uh, major part of uh, Storm King's Thunder, I believe. Really fun guy. Just fun guy. Uh, he's absolutely, he rocks wands. It's hilarious. He's, he's absolutely insane. Um, he's also very old, very old dragon, very powerful, and has wands taped to his wings. Because you've got a fire breath, you might as well also tie like a wand of lightning bolts to your wing. Who, who's going to stop you? Um, a party of level 20 murder hobos, probably. <laughs> uh, then we have Nihilor, who's a mind flayer, who's uh, the breeder of the intellect devourers, which are, uh, if you uh, see the card devour intellect in the set, that depicts an intellect devourer, which are basically just brains with monster legs uh, that eat other things' brains. They're really cute. They're amazing. Uh, if you've they're played, adorable. If, if you've played the open access of Baldur's Gate three, there is a uh, kind of in the tutorial part. You can have an intellect devourer be a member of your party, and it's wonderful. I believe he works for Xanathar. If I'm not, if I'm uh, yes, he breeds them like show dogs. Like he's he's like that. You know, the person who's got like a million like chihuahuas around their house, uh, and they're like breeding chihuahuas for like dog shows. Like that's Nihilor, but with uh, intellect devourers. So just like imagine you knock on his door and he answers it and he's just petting a brain, you know, bunch of little brains at his heels yapping psychically because they don't have mouths. So it's just like a psychic yap. Moving on, we've got Storvald, Frost Giant Jarl. Uh, Storvald, major character in Storm King's Thunder. He uh, He's kind of, you know, one. he's like Zalto, the fire giant duke, except he's like the Jarl of the, the Frost Giants. Don't want to spoil the campaign. <laughs> I'll tell you that I definitely encountered him. Might have... Uh, might have done some other things to him, uh, but I won't bring that up. Uh, yeah, I'll say that's that's all the legends. Yeah. We did it. We got through all the legends. We got through all the legends. Most of the episode, we we are we're going to talk about uh, less individual cards and more groups of cards. Uh, so, as someone who worked on the set, uh, I was very curious looking at reactions to different parts of the set uh, when things were getting previewed. And one of the things that I saw some of the best reactions to the th one of the things that made people like really get oh this is a DD &D set i get it uh we're kind of like the dm's cards um these these are the uh modal spells um that uh start that are all the card names are second person phrases uh addressing the player uh and then they are uh, modal spells that give you two choices in the situation so those spells are uh, you hear something on watch you're ambushed on the road you come to a river you find the villain's lair you see a guard approach you come to the knoll camp you find some prisoners you see a pair of goblins you find a cursed idol you happen on a glade and you meet in a tavern these are all just cards that signify moments and events that can happen in a D&D campaign and uh, these cards all depict the uh the kind of the through line party of Eliwick Templestrom, Nadar, Varus, Hama. Um they they are kind of the uh main characters quote unquote that go through the set. And so each of these cards, you know, you hear something on watch gives you two choices of effects uh and they have the flavorful ability words that explain what the decision points are. Um so they're they're really good little self-contained stories. Um and I think each of them is very successful on its own and 
uh, when you proliferate them out through all the colors uh, in the set. I think they form um, a really cool backbone of what it feels like to be playing D&D um, from a player perspective with a DM addressing you. And I think that is very cool. A really cool thing you can do with them is that you can start with you meet in a tavern and then just arrange the cards in whatever order you want. And there you can make a little campaign. You did it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was the basic lens. Yeah. Yeah, we talked a bunch uh, last week with James about the basic lands being, like, campaign inspiration. These, like, using this set as campaign inspiration, I think is really, really cool. You have the basic lands with prompts uh, of just, like, locations and quests. You have these with uh, prompts for uh, specific interactions. You have a whole bunch of legendary characters if you want NPCs uh, or enemies. You know, there's a bunch of monsters if you want to fight monsters. Like, you can build an entire big campaign just using cards in this set, and I think that is awesome another really cool thing is that there are tokens in the set that have actual monster stats on the uh i believe it's the art cards the art cards the art cards yeah so that's cool so you can actually like open a set booster get an art card and have like a monster to put in your campaign there you go you found a beholder Uh, good luck to your level four adventurers they're (laughs) gonna have a fun time they're not gonna have a fun time (laughs) no they're not they're gonna be dead uh, another really fun thing is like the sort of classic D&D items that got artifact cards. And there's a bunch of them. There's like the dancing sword and like just a bunch of like artifacts. But some of the ones I wanted to mention uh, is plus two mace, uh, which is gonna ruin everyone's database for magic cards forever. Officially becoming the first magic card in alphabetical order. We also have plate armor and leather armor, which are, you know, actual items you can get in D&D. Uh, a potion of healing, which is appropriate. Always carry potions of healing. Uh, they don't heal a lot, but you'll be surprised how useful it is. Even 1d4 plus 2 is a lot of healing. Uh, the portable hole, which we mentioned a little bit, which is just like a classic D&D item, which is just a hole that you can put on the ground or on a wall if you really want to. Don't put it in your bag of holding, which is another card that's been printed before and got uh, rarity shifted down to uncommon for the set. I'm so sad that there's no interaction between those two. I know. I wish they would have, like, done something on Portable Hole to make them interact, but... Like, if you discard this to bag of holding, like, deal X damage where X is the number of cards underneath bag of holding. Just blow it up. We also, of course, got our wizard's spellbook and our thieves' tools and, uh... We got, of course, the Sphere of Annihilation, which we, I think, talked about before, which is one of my favorite things you can encounter in a dungeon. And then, you know, there's like the Vorpal Sword. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, But my favorite items, all right, in the set. Oh, hold on. on. You can mention, like, the Vorpal Sword, Just you just cut someone's head off and kill them instantly. We've talked about (laughs) it in the prior podcast, though. Yeah, it's great. I was on that podcast. Give me a break. (laughs) so they also printed a dungeon map which if you're an adventurer you never have a dungeon map you don't get one of those that's for the dm but then uh they also printed a great axe which i thought was really cool because it's just great axe and it's it's a great axe every you know fighter or barbarian starts with a great axe they're really good items they also have the dual mimic and treasure chest in this set so a treasure chest is exactly what you think it is it's a chest chest with treasure but sometimes That treasure chest is a mimic, which is a uh, type of creature that has designed itself to look like a treasure chest, but it will eat you if you try and open it. Mimics are not always treasure chests, though. Sometimes they're statues. Sometimes they're they're hordes, they're like pieces of gold, or they can be any random inanimate object, and then they just, when you touch them, you stick to them, and they start throttling you until you beat them off of you, or you die. Sometimes they're a door. And I'm not going to say anything else because I don't want to spoil <laughs> any other campaigns. And then my favorite item in the entire set, 50 feet of rope. Every adventure yeah. in D&D starts with 50 feet of rope. That is not true. Not all kits have that. Well, they even if they don't, spend some of your starting gold, get 50 feet of rope. It is the most useful thing you will have as an adventurer. And I died laughing when I saw this card because I was like, of course, they can't they can't print this set without 50 feet of rope. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so what, another cool thing. So we have a series a cycle, a psych, quote unquote cycle. There's a cycle yeah. at uncommon and then seven at rare of class enchantments. This is a new enchantment subtype. 
Uh, there are classes that you level up in, and each level uh, you get uh, better better effects in. You pay mana to level up uh, as a sorcery. Uh, these are based on the 12 core classes of D&D that you'll find in the player's handbook. Sorry, Artificer. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, we have Cleric, uh, who uh, is a uh, spellcaster who draws power from uh, a benevolent deity. Uh, Paladin, uh, who swears an oath to a cause, um, sometimes can be a deity or just a cause. Um, they are generally uh, a, a more martial class, but do have uh, spellcasting capabilities too. We have Wizards, which is uh, spellcasters who learn magic from reading books and gathering information. Uh, warlocks, who are spellcasters who get their magic from a patron. Uh, so some some powerful entity uh, shares uh, their power with a warlock. Uh, barbarians, who are a martial class who angry their uh their core class uh, ability is called entering a, a rage and if you want to beat the crap out of things you know with a great axe uh or, or something uh barbarian is the class for that druids are spellcasters who um are very closely associated with uh, nature and the land and animals Rangers are also associated with nature and land, but are more of a hunter style. Um, they, uh, they are often uh, ranged attackers and uh, have a lot of uh, druids and rangers both have animal companions a lot. Uh, we have bards who are the storytellers. Uh, this is... Uh, can I go on a little rant here? Uh, bards, well, we're at 50 minutes, so bar, sure. Bards, you don't have to be like a talented musician. You're, just, you're a storyteller, right? Like, if you don't want your bard to be a musician, you just fudge things to make them just be, like, maybe they're just an orator. And they and they tell, anyway. And your bard doesn't have to be slutty. Any of the classes can be slutty, and also being slutty is really overrated in D&D. If you want to be slutty in a TTRPG, I think there are better games for it. Ah, uh, Bards are great, though. They are... You know, you know who should have been a bard that was printed in the last year of Magic Cards, but is not a bard? Burgie. Virgie's a bard. Yeah. She's a god, and she's a bard. She's the bard god of Kaldheim. Yeah, I think I think in that situation, god supersedes uh, bard. But anyway, yeah, bards are storytellers. Uh, they can be uh, sort of martial or uh, spellcasters. Um, they they use the power of music. Uh, fighters are uh, martial class proficient with all kinds of weapons: uh, swords, axes, daggers, lances, all that kind of stuff. Uh, generally, formally trained, but not always. Uh, monks run around and punch stuff a lot uh and also cheat at spell casting with key counters um if you've seen a martial arts movie or anime uh you know monks are monks are an anime character in D&D basically um they do a lot of bullshit uh rogues can be anything they want to be because that that's when you're just a criminal who likes being sneaky and stealing stuff you can be whatever martial class sure a spellcasting class, sure. Support class, awesome. Uh, I love rogues. Uh, they are, they are the thieves and the people of the night. And then sorcerers, who are people who have uh, their magic comes from some innate ability. Uh, maybe they were born with it and are, are part of like a bloodline of sorcerers, uh, or maybe there was some fantastical power that uh, encountered them at some point and just gifted magical abilities whatever uh sources you know whatever the source of your magic it is something innate to your being your grandma got busy with a dragon yeah that too mm-hmm. uh and that and that's classes <laughs> um which took a little longer than i expected anyway iconic D spells let's just read off these names yeah so all of these are card names that are also spells in D. you can look them up but i thought it was cool uh, also, some of them are class abilities and not spells. Like the first one, Divine Smite, which is a paladin class ability. Big numbers. You can really kill people with Divine Smite. Uh, but then we also have Fly, Ray of Frost, Shocking Grasp, Tasha's Hideous Laughter. We talked about her a lot. Uh, True Polymorph, which is very powerful. Uh, Power Word Kill, also very powerful. Uh, Ray of Enfeeblement, Burning Hands, classic. Magic Missile, which I think they nailed the design of this card. This is pretty much exactly how Magic Missile works. Agreed. Meteor Swarm, very powerful card. Uh, Wish, probably the most powerful spell on the list. Uh, Hunter's Mark, which is a spell slash class ability for rangers. I don't know if any other class gets to use it, but it is a spell. No Paladins can cast it. Oh. Ooh. I just got an idea. Anyways, the problem with it um, is, is it's concentration, so... Um, yeah, but you know it doesn't use concentration? Divine Smite. Anyways, uh, we also have Wild Shape, which is like the druid famous class ability, which allows you to turn into other animals and things. 
Um, but those are all cards in the set that are also just names straight taken from D&D. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll let you on a secret. Working on the set, uh, naming cards from the set, mostly just meant opening up the player's handbook or or various other source books and going, hey, what is something actually from D&D somewhere that makes sense on this card? And that's how we decided a lot of things in the set, which is a really fun way to uh, to build the set. I think this is really fun to work on. Chris, you had a couple individual cards you wanted yeah. to highlight okay. at the end so, here. Quick. I just, if anyone else wants to chime in, feel free. But no. there's a couple of cards I wanted to talk about. Um, the first one is Long Rest. They just gave us a Long Rest card. And uh-huh. It functions like a Long Rest in D&D. I love that. You cast it and you get back your spells. Um which is just great. And if you rest long enough, you recover hit points also. Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, we also got the spell critical hit, which is really funny because it's just, you know, it's a critical hit. And you can roll a die. And if you roll a 20, you get it back to your hand. It gives your creature double strike. I think it's it's a very cute implementation of the critical hit in a uh, card game. For for folks who haven't played D&D, a critical hit is when you roll uh, a 20 on your d20. You just get everything you'll want if you if you roll a crit. If it's an ability check, you just get to know all kinds of things. If you're uh, if it's an attack roll, uh, what you roll twice as many damage dice. Yeah, uh, it's well the the critical result is sort of like at DM's discretion. Technically, yeah. rolling a d twenty on like an ability check or a skills check doesn't it doesn't guarantee it doesn't get but like but if the DM's cool, they'll make it work. Um, your DM should be cool. Don't play with DMs who aren't cool. I, I always give something cool on a on a natural 20, and I always give something really disappointing on a natural one. But anyways, uh, the last card is just Displacer Beast, because the art's really cool, and it's a really cool monster from D&D. Uh, and my friend has a really cool tattoo of a Displacer Beast. Oh, so sweet. I just wanted to, yeah. Uh, if, if, if you played Enter the Gungeon, uh, you've also seen Displacer Beasts, because they're just an enemy in that game. That game has a lot of D&D references. Anyway, like I said... This is where we're ending this. Basically, every card in the set is a D&D reference. If there's a monster in the set that you don't know nothing about, just hop over to the Forgotten Realms wiki and read about it because, like, it's just a thing in D&D. You know, we didn't talk about owl bears uh, or or ropers or flumps. I love flumps. Flumps are adorable. Yeah, that's that's what we wanted to highlight in this what is now a too long episode and we're going to skip final thoughts uh which means uh hey remember at the beginning when chris said something about live listens well that's really cool because we're going to talk about that now because if you like our show and you want to get more involved with uh the vorthos cast listener community you can head over to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast and start supporting us today uh everyone who does will get access to our uh vorthos cast discord where we have a community of vorthoses from around the world talking about all kinds of magic things all kinds of non-magic things and being a wonderful group of people uh and then uh if you so choose you can also support us at a higher tier per month uh and become a live listener our live listener group is uh you know, we record our podcast uh, Thursday nights around 7 p.m. Eastern time. And so uh, our live listeners get to hang out with us a little bit before the show, a little bit after the show, and listen to us record. So uh, not only do you get the whole episode early, but you get to hang out with us for a little bit and chat for a bit, which is a bunch of fun. Uh, because we adore our listeners as much as you adore us. Yeah, we need more patrons. Don't worry about it. It's Don't think d- too much. It's not for nefarious magical purposes. Come on, we wouldn't do Legally, that. we cannot tell you if it's for nefarious purposes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, with that Wink. said, <laughs> with that said, uh, I want to thank all our listeners out there. You're wonderful, and we appreciate you. And, and thank you for listening to the Vorthos cast. <laughs>